anxiety. Okay. You got me thinking if it was really worth it Putting in all of this effort just to end up less than perfect But on our great defenses, something used for our protection Or are they just another way to force out imperfections? I guess I'm just effective, pointed in the wrong direction The library in my head has one fucked up selection Now children, pay attention, and you'll receive attention Cause after this, I'll ask you an array of questions Alright, okay, hello, hello, hello everyone and welcome. This is the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast, episode 52. Episode 52. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it definitely is. Hello, hello, everyone. I am your boy, Hiccup, and we are back. We are back with it. Um, hopefully everything sounds okay. I'm currently in my walk-in slash recording studio. It's not quite, quite done. Almost all my stuff that I ordered, all my furniture has come in, except for my chair uh we keep missing it like either it shows up while no one's home so they're like oh we'll bring it another time and then it gets delayed so then it doesn't come the next day and that's what happened yesterday it was supposed to come yesterday and it was supposed to be the last attempt i was home we actually got home at a reasonable time all my shit came in my other stuff like my bed frame so i was able to put my mattress on it my rug my lamp i have my desk i built my desk i have my table for this I have my bookshelf. I have all that stuff. I just don't have the chair. It's literally the only thing I bought that I still don't have. And it didn't show up yesterday. And I was like, okay, well, I'll be home tomorrow. I'm off, which is today. This is I'm recording this as of Wednesday, July 8th. And um, did not show up. I got a notification saying it was going to show up on Friday. So hopefully I'll be home on Friday or else I have to pick it up from uh, a drop-off zone or location uh after that so hopefully i'll be home so we don't have to do that but it is what it is i'm using uh one of my roommate's chairs and i'm still kind of cramped in here just because i haven't quite fully organized everything also there are several spiders in this house (laughs) and there were like two that i saw as i was getting set up to record tonight in here and I was just like, fuck, dude. So uh, my homeboy, I call him Abuela. He is my roommate. Uh, he came in here and dealt with that. I do not like spiders. I do not like... I have my reasons. Maybe I'll tell the story. I don't know if I've told the story. Uh, it happened when I was a kid, but I do not like spiders. I do not fuck with them. <laughs> so he dealt with that. Hopefully we won't see them again. But I'm going to get some bug spray, too. And I might like have to, like... I don't want to say bug bomb the walk-in, because I think... I can't just only bug bomb the walk-in, but maybe I'll have to like spray it down somehow to just disinfect and clean it and make sure nothing's in here so I can be comfortable recording in here and we'll get that situation sorted out. So this is still kind of like new, uh, not quite fully, fully set up, but we'll see how it goes and we'll see how things sound. But yeah, dude, um, I'm just about set. My room looks great. I, I like the way my room looks. It's all filled out now because I have stuff. There might be a few little things I want to get here and there, but for the most part, all the main things I wanted, I have. Besides my chair. (laughs) So, we'll get to that point when we get to that point. But what are we talking about this week? I was going to talk about Castlevania Season 3, but I think I'm going to postpone that for a little bit. If not next week, then our little season finale thing, of or season 2 finale of the podcast, I'll talk about it. But we will get to it, I, I promise you. Shit, maybe it'll even be a season three premiere thing. We'll talk about season three of Castlevania. 
at season three of the podcast. I don't know. But I want to get my thoughts together and I want to make it uh, a nice little review. But I am going to talk about some other stuff, some shows I've been watching with my friends, some movies, some go a good movie and a not-so-good anime movie, uh, some good animated shows and some not-so-good animated shows. <laughs> So uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that, and of course we're going to do the UU retrospective for episode 26 of UU Hakusho. So uh, I don't think this will be a long one. I think it's going to be about the same length as last week's. I feel like that's how the next few episodes are going to be, just because I'm still kind of getting set up in my, uh, my room and getting things set up to make this a proper recording space, the little walk-in closet I have. So I feel like there'll be shorter episodes because I'm just trying to feel things out that way when season three starts we won't have any issues or hiccups and i can get things done because i'm also getting like a sound problem from my window too in my bathroom the walk-ins right next to my bathroom so you can kind of hear traffic outside slightly just because uh, i have a little ac unit in there but uh we'll figure it out we'll figure it out but yeah let's get started with today <laughs> I, I kind of like doing that now. But, shows, shows. What did we watch? What did we watch? Um, so, like I said, we've been watching, me and my roommates have been watching uh, Kage, Kakeguri, Kakeguri, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Forgive me if I'm butchering it, I, I just can't say it right. Uh, and we finished it, season one and two of Kakeguri. Uh, we're waiting for a season three. I believe one of my roommates was saying, my friend Justin... He was saying that uh, season three is coming out 2021, so I'm kind of excited for that. I talked about it a little bit last week, you know, the whole compulsive gambler show and uh, that stuff going on. Season two, we weren't expecting to be as good as season one, just because it kind of felt like that show that wouldn't have as strong of a second season as it did the first. Pleasantly surprised that season two, in my opinion, and uh, my, my other roommate, Kevin, his opinion... Season 2 was great. Season 2 is, um, I, I'd say it's better than Season 1. Not to say Season 1 wasn't bad, or was bad. Season 2 is, or Season 1 was fantastic, so. That just goes to show you Season 2 is a strong season. They they kept going, and the 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 kind of tropiness, not tropiness, or like, the weirdness, the quirkiness, there's the word, the quirkiness of the show didn't get stale. It, it, it still stayed, stayed exciting, stayed fresh. Uh, all the gambles were super fun. I love that show. And as we were watching season two, I was recommending, um, what's it called? Madaka Box to my roommates, to Kevin and Justin, because it gave off those that, that same weird vibe of like this weird school show. But I was like, you probably should read it because the story doesn't end. They don't, the anime doesn't end like the manga does. Like they don't continue the story. They don't go through the whole manga series. And I don't think the, I changed my stance. I don't think the anime is bad. It still doesn't do the manga justice, in my opinion, still. So, we were talking about that, but, um, great show. If you, if you wanted the recommendation to watch it, there's your recommendation. Season 1 and 2 combined are only 24 episodes, so it's not going to take you that long to binge through. And I feel like if you watch Season 1 and you weren't really feeling it, you're probably not going to be vibing to Season 2. Maybe give it a chance still, because you watched all of Season 1, so maybe you'll want to try Season 2. Uh, if you like Season 1, you'll love Season 2. I 100% believe that. I also believe, though, that um, Season 2 of the anime doesn't follow the manga exactly the same. 
So, for all I know, manga readers could hate Season 2. But in my personal opinion, I thought it was great. Maybe I'll read the manga one of these days, and my opinion might change, or at least be like, well, no, it definitely isn't as good as the manga, or not the same. But we'll see where that goes. I'm excited for Season 3. There's also a live-action of uh, Kakegurui that's also on Netflix. It is not good if you... If you needed uh, an answer, it's it's not good. It's it's made in Japan. It's a Japanese live action. Doesn't change the fact that most live actions are bad. There are very, very, very few good live actions. The only live action, in fact, that I've heard get kind of almost universal praise is the Tokyo Ghoul live action. And then I've heard mixed things about the Bleach live action. I haven't seen either. Uh, I should watch the Bleach live action because it's on Netflix. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I heard it was okay. I've heard it was bad or it was okay. So it's kind of mixed. So I want to give it a shot. Especially since I did the whole Bleach rewatch. We did the me ranking the Bleach arcs uh, a while back. Around the same time the uh, Bleach anime got announced to be returning. With the Thousand Year Blood War. So we'll see about that. Tokyo Ghoul, I need to find it somewhere to watch it. But I heard the live action of Tokyo Ghoul is actually really good. The Rurouni Kenshin live action films are good. I know people don't want to support Rurouni Kenshin anymore because of the allegations the writer did. And I've talked about that on the podcast too. It's really hard for me. I don't want to say it's I'm going through a lot. I'm not going through a lot. I want to say it's this is an aside just from everything we're talking about bringing back up Rurouni Kenshin. I want to reiterate it for people who have been more recently listening to me. I've talked about Rurouni Kenshin before. It, it, it is one of my favorite manga anime series of all time. But it's hard to talk about it or even put it up there now just because of the actions of the creator of Rurouni Kenshin. If you didn't know, he was arrested a few years ago for possession of massive amounts of uh, child porn. Don't quote... I, I could be wrong, don't quote me. But I'm pretty sure he had a lot of child pornography, and he was also stated saying that he was attracted to girls from like late middle, late high school, or, or uh, late elementary school, early middle school age, I believe, around that point. So he definitely was into kids. So, and people have a lot of mixed feelings. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are like, if you like Verody Kenshin, then you support a pedophile, which isn't fair to say to certain people because. There are still a lot of people that don't even know that happened. There's a lot of Rurouni Kenshin fans from like maybe like back in the day when they were younger or just big Rurouni Kenshin fans that did not know that happened. So just try to break the situation down to them. Don't just automatically call them a pedophile or a pedophile supporter because they might not know. And then there is the whole like um, separate the art from the artist argument, but I fully agree that's a load of bullshit. I'm not supporting anything a pedophile does, okay? What I will say is, if you like Veroni Kenshin and you already liked Veroni Kenshin, as long as you're not buying his merchandise or, you know, buying the mangas or buying it after the fact, after what you heard, then just don't support him any further. Like, I know the Hokkaido arc of Veroni Kenshin, because Veroni Kenshin was coming back with, like, a new arc. It got suspended. I don't know if it came back or not, but I have no plans on reading it. After that, I'm like, I'm not reading any of the new material. I'm not reading anything that man ever makes again. He also made Buso Rankin. Not as, not nearly as popular as a series as uh, Rorani Kenshin, but I like that show too. I probably, I wasn't really supporting Buso Rankin anyway. 
So, it was like alright anime. And I didn't read the manga, but it was short. So, it was whatever. But, yeah, he made that too. But my, my argument is, it's like, yeah, don't support anything new coming out. If you feel that strongly about it, I agree, because I'm not. I'm not supporting any new material, merchandise, licensing. I don't even care if he doesn't get a cent from it anymore. Like, I just can't support that. But if you already have merchandise from Randy Kenshin, whether if you already have, like, the manga volumes, or the DVDs of the series, or clothing, or figures or stuff, don't get rid of that, because you already spent your money on it. So don't throw your money in the trash, I would say, unless you really feel uncomfortable having them. And at that point, I'd say give them away to someone else or something. Like, don't don't waste something you already spent money on. And I'm always going to like Roni Kenshin, but I'm not really going to talk about it as much anymore in terms of, like, recommending it to people just because of the situation. But it's already so ingrained in my life, I can't just cut it off completely, but I, I won't support it anymore, like, as hard as it for me to say, I probably won't watch the anime anymore on any, like, streaming platforms. This is just me. This is just me. I'm not telling you this is what you should do. This is just me. But, yeah, it's it's rough, dude. It's like, fuck, I really like that show. It's a great story. Sanosuke is one of, like, my favorite characters of all time. I thought Kenshin was one of the best protagonist in a shonen anime like one of the best protagonists it's a classic shonen series that i used to recommend to people all the time especially if they were big shonen fans or breaking into anime through shonen i always recommended it to them i can't do it anymore but i can't fault the older material just because you know the voice actors for the anime english and dub didn't know about that the people that made any kind of Ramoni kenshin game didn't know about that the actors who did the movies before this came out, they didn't know anything about that. So I'm just supposed to, like, say fuck them. They didn't know. So it's kind of a hard thing. But that's... It's it's a weird stance, but that's kind of my stance on it. And that's probably, like, the last I'll talk about it if, unless anyone really wants me to. Sorry for that long-ass aside, but I just I just wanted to talk about it. But yeah, Kakegurui is good. <laughs> How do we get from Kakegurui to that? Um... Okay, anywho, I also finished Carol on Tuesday, loved it, um, I, talk, uh, I talked briefly about Carol on Tuesday as well, uh, these are not full reviews, like I didn't give a review of Kageguri, I'm not gonna give a review of Carol on Tuesday, maybe some other time down the line I'll give it a rewatch when I'm watching it alone again, just so I can absorb things going on in more detail, but um, Carol on Tuesday I thought was great. Uh, if I had to rate it, I'd give it an 8. The only reason why I wouldn't give it anything higher, like an 8 out of 10. The only thing I wouldn't, reason why I wouldn't give it something higher is that I feel towards the end of the show, like the second part, um, I felt like f it wasn't like, it wasn't exactly rushed, but I feel like certain, like, plot points were going by way too quickly. Like, uh... The thing with Angela and, uh, what's his name, Tao, that went by way too fast. That was just information that was just dropped on us, and that was it. I was like, ah, man, you should have elaborated on that more. The whole thing with the refugees going on, 
Uh, we needed more Ezekiel. We 100% needed more Ezekiel, because that was Denzel Curry rapping, too. I needed more Ezekiel songs. We got two, and they're not full tracks. So that hurts me, because Lone Star Jazz is my favorite song from Carolyn Tuesday. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. If you, if you haven't watched Carolyn Tuesday, watch Carolyn Tuesday. Or at the very least, listen to some songs like Lone Star Jazz especially. It's a rap. Uh, Carolyn Tuesdays have have great songs too like uh, Kiss Me which is the first opening of the show the second opening is great too I just forget what it's called Carolyn Tuesday just have good tracks Angela has great tracks great music in that show altogether I, I'd say at least look up the music and it'll probably get you interested in watching the show but um I thought it was cute it was really cute and it didn't try to be anything more than what it was and that's what I really appreciated from it is that a lot of shows try to be like fake deep or fake woke and it ends up being like feeling really forced or feeling really fake and you kind of get this cringe or uncomfortable feeling off of it like ew I didn't like that. Carolyn Tuesday didn't feel like that. It felt like uh it was like this this series that they created as like a love letter to music like music in general just admiration for music inspiration from artists you could see, like, oh, they got inspiration from this real singer, this real artist in the music industry and stuff like that. So, I appreciate the dedication that they were paying such a big homage and dedication to the music scene as a whole. That That's what made it good. And it didn't try to be anything more than that. There were certain aspects in the background that were going on that weren't music-based, like the whole political thing with the refugees and whatnot. But it it didn't take center stage over the music, and the music still connected to it in the end because of certain aspects and things that happened. And my only issue is that certain like stuff like that, like the political stuff that was happening towards the end. I feel like if Carolyn Tuesday was like, let's say thirty episodes instead of twenty four, they could have satisfied the issues I had with the series towards the end, towards the second half. I thought the first half was fine. The first 12 episodes, part one of Caroline and Tuesday, I thought were great. I thought they did the damn thing. But I feel like in the second part, towards the end, they just quickly tied up certain things that should have uh, had more time dedicated to them. Because it wasn't taken away from the music. It was still uh, linked to the music. So it wouldn't have been bad if they had taken more time to give that attention, those things attention. Like the whole thing with Ezekiel. I would have loved uh, if Ezekiel had maybe, like, even one more song. Like, if he had a trio set of songs. Because it would have described him as a character better. Because he's not a major character. But his link to Carol... Have I been saying Caroline in Tuesday? Because I used to say that. And it's Carol in Tuesday. Hopefully I haven't been saying Caroline in Tuesday. I'm going to have to listen back to what I said when I was first talking about it. Um, but... His link to Carol, especially, is what makes him more of an interesting, or more not interesting, he's an interesting, interesting character on his own, more of an important character. That's that's why he gets a part in the story, it's because of his link to Carol. And I don't want to give too much away, but um, we get two songs from him. We get Crash the Server, and we get Lone Star Jazz. And Crash the Server is like kind of more of a politically driven song. And then Lone Star Jazz is, is more of a love song. And 
I feel like we should have gotten a third track, but it should have been first. We should have gotten an initial Ezekiel track. Just like an Ezekiel track. And then we should have gotten Crash the Server, and then we could have gotten Lone Star Jazz at the end. I feel like that would have helped uh, round out Ezekiel better as a character. Because I, I feel like a lot of the character traits you get from certain people in the show that, you know, characters that don't get a lot of screen time or spotlight you get more insight from said character through their music and through their tracks. Angela, as a character, goes through a lot of shit. She's kind of like... I don't want to call her the villain of the show. She's more of just like an antagonist and rival towards Carol and Tuesday. But she has her own shit going on, and it was enjoyable to watch that... Uh, that, um, that character arc happen. But you also get a lot of insight about Angela as a person... Not only through just watching the show and seeing the story events unfold, but through her music, through like the songs, like certain songs, or like just what the performance is being set upon. Like her performance at, I don't want to see, I don't want to give away too much, but you can tell the impact of that song and what, why, what happened happened, and they, I thought they did a great job doing that. But um, yeah, Carolyn Tuesday is great. If you are a fan of uh, shows like Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, you will, you'll really like Carolyn Tuesday. And it's 24 episodes, so it's two episodes shorter than Beck, so take the time to watch it, bro. It's good. Uh, we've been watching Beastars. I've watched six episodes of Beastars so far, so I believe there's six more. I think the season's only like 12 episodes. So I'll talk about that more once we finish it. I do like it. I am enjoying it. I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's very good. Um... <laughs> a show, an anime we watched today <laughs> that was pretty fucking bad. Um, what's it called? What is it called? It's called Girls on Panzer. Um, I'm sorry if you like that anime. I, I fucking can't. We watched, I think, two episodes? We watched the first two episodes and half of episode three, and I just, I was like, no, we have to turn it off. I fucking, I can't, bro. It's like, lolly girls in tanks and i was like not riding for it at all <laughs> i was like mm, i like my wife who's looking like women bro <laughs> so like take for example in kakegaduri what's her name uh maris marislavo one of one of the bomby mama bomby clan uh characters like the tall the tall girl with kind of like the whitish grayish hair that wears the black gloves. She's part of like the little eliminators in her family line. Huge boobs. But um, she's like tall and like tough and beautiful. And I, I'm into that shit. I'm into that type of girl. My girlfriend's like that. <laughs> I, I love that shit. So yeah, uh, Tank Girl does not have our <laughs> Tank Girl. It's not Tank Girl. I'm sorry, guys. It's Lollies on Tanks, aka uh, Girls in Panzer. It's full of lollies. <laughs> it's. Just, I, it's, it's like so weird because I feel like the premise of the show could have been made and executed better and didn't need to have every girl be lollies. And the character designs are so like bland and whack in that show. Like, they're so boring. Like there's a, it's like five main characters, like these girls and they all are like a team and like this little tankery club shit at their school. It, I'm not going to get into the plot too much because I do not plan to continue this show. But I just wanted to say, there's a, another squad in the in their club. 
like another team. It's like four other girls with all much more interesting character designs than the main characters. And I was just like, but those aren't the main characters. Okay. And <laughs> it's just not good. The dialogue's weird. We watched it dubbed. Maybe I'll have to watch it sub and get a better appreciation for it. But even then, I'm just kind of like, uh, their voices are probably going to annoy the shit out of me in the sub. But then they sound so bland and flat in the dub. And look, dude, I don't mind dubs. I like watching... I prefer dubs over subs, personally. Just because English is my native language. So, of course, I'm going to want to hear it in my native language. It's a little easier for me to take in. That's personally my opinion. I do think certain shows just are better in sub, whether that be because the dub isn't good or you don't get the same level of enjoyment or substance from the dub as you would the sub. Like, I don't think Attack on Titan's dub is very good. I think the voice acting isn't bad. It's more the fact that the voices don't fit the characters. So Attack on Titan is definitely better subbed. And JoJo's is better subbed because of a combination of things. Like, um, you don't get the same level of appreciation from certain jokes or, like, words or uh speeches in english as you would in the sub just because it just feels so much more authentic in the sub especially like when they do english lines like when joseph does like the oh my god like shit like that you don't get the same level of uh, appreciation in the dub as you would the sub just because of the language barrier um not to say all of jojo's dubs is bad i don't think so i think part one and part two are, are like okay at least they try to put forward the put forward the effort to give like different accents and shit. I don't think part three's dub is good at all. I think it's pretty bad. Um, I don't think the voices match the characters at all very well. I think I've talked about this before. I think part four's dub is fantastic. I think that's the one they nailed. Personally, I think the character voices match the characters, especially Jotaro. Because he's an older Jotaro, so even though it's the same dub voice actor for part four as it is part three, since he's an older character and he's grown and he's more mature, the voice fits the character better in part four than it did part three. And I haven't really listened to much of part five, just clips, so I can't give a full opinion. Overall, the sub in general of JoJo's is much better than the dub, it's not even a fucking comparison. But some of the dub is good. Um, but. You get what I'm saying. But anywho, Girls in Panzer, I'm not vibing to, bro. It's, it's, it's not, it just, it just don't sit right with me, you know? It's just like, I'm not watching this shit, bro. <laughs> Sorry, I have to take a little drink a drink. But, um, not for me. And the fact that there's a movie... Oh my goodness. Oh, fun story. Uh, my my roommate Justin was telling us today that uh, he used to work at like a movie theater. And they did a screening for the Girls in Panzer movie, I guess. And he was like, dude, like six people showed up to watch this movie. <laughs> I just thought that was like, fuck, bro. People really wanted to watch this movie and then six people pulled up to this one theater. So, I'm not going to keep watching that show, period. I, I'm good. We got to a scene, and like it was like halfway through episode 3, and they were in like the bath together. And I was like, I'm not watching a bunch of lollies in the bath together. This shit is... Mm. And like, they, they, they're drawn as lollies, but like most of them have breasts. 
And it's just like, oh, God. This is just all sorts of, like, not okay for me. It's just weird. It's just weird, bro. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> it's not for me. They're obviously trying to appeal to a certain demographic of fans. I'm not in that demographic. So I'm a dip. <laughs> uh, films. We watched uh, last week, after I finished recording the podcast last week, we did, in fact, watch A Silent Voice. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, definitely was not what I was expecting. I was not expecting the story I got out of A Silent Voice. I thought it was going to be this cute film about, like, this this boy. He used to bully this deaf girl, and now he's kind of had a change of heart, and he's trying to, like... I thought the whole movie was going to be him trying to make things right with this girl and not quite getting there until maybe near the end or something like that, and then he, like, was going to learn sign language fully. But that happens very early on in the film, and the film so much... Like, I don't want to give away too much. Just expect... It's strongly going over the uh, the topic of suicide or like suicidal thoughts and depression that certain people go through through various different things like people there are characters in that series that were considering death for various reasons and I wasn't expecting it to go in depth about those feelings and about those topics as much as it did and it was very refreshing to see like a positive take on that idea because you have shows like you know like 13 reason why 13 reasons why that sort of glamorize it or people who sort of like generalize it to being this one thing like only these kinds of people commit suicide and shit like that but then you had a silent voice and it was very refreshing into like how characters act around how people act around other people and how that affects certain people in certain ways and why people are need to take accountability and responsibility for certain actions even if they don't think they did anything wrong there's a girl in there who's a straight up fucking gaslighter and she's like i didn't do anything wrong why am i being blamed i never did anything she is a fucking straight up gaslighter because she totally supported certain things that were happening and then she acted innocent like she didn't fucking do anything and it was and we were like yo this bitch sucks like they they were telling me she fucking she, I, they were like fuck that bitch and i was like why what did she do and as we were watching the film I'm like wow what a fucking and at the end of the movie there's still like certain characters i do not like because some of them don't take responsibility for the bad things they've done but things get resolved in the end and it's just like this beautiful ending it's not like this full-on just like, oh, what a heartwarming, happy ending. But it is a good ending. It's like a positive ending. And it's and it feels real. It's just like that moment where it's just like, oh, like it, it's good. It's really good. It definitely wasn't what I was expecting. And that's a good thing. I, I really enjoyed it. Not to say that what I was expecting was something bad out of it. I just thought I was expecting something else. And I got something else out of it. So great film. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. it it's on Netflix, so boom. Uh, let me recommend an anime film for you to turn away from now. Uh, also recommended by one of my roommates. We watched it on 4th of July because I wasn't... I'm not fucking celebrating 4th of July. I didn't. Um, and if you need to ask me why I'm not celebrating 4th of July, then you've been living under a fucking rock for the last few months uh, in America. <laughs> if you live in America, especially. 
So, yeah, fuck that. I'm not celebrating that shit. And I probably never will again. But, um... As the fireworks was fucking exploding outside of our house and shaking the cars, uh, we decided to watch the anime film called Fireworks. And when I tell you I did not think it was going to be as bad as it was, boy, it was pretty fucking bad. Oh my lord. <laughs> I, oh, I don't want to go over it too long. Just know that... You know that fake woke and fake deep shit I was talking about earlier in? Like how certain shows try to do that? I feel like this movie tried way too hard to do that. Where it could have been a much more simplistic film and been much better. Um, fireworks, the basic plot of Fireworks is... The main character is this boy. I want to say they're like 13, 14 years old. They look really young. They, they don't look that old. They're probably like 12 to 13 max they're 14 years old if they're any older than that they do not look like it um they live in this small little town and there's this girl and i'm gonna give out the plot like kind of all over the place just because i want to get to like the point why this shit is so weird and why they did this so poorly pretty much the girl wants to run away from home the reason she wants to run away from home is because her mom is marrying this new dude, and the new dude seems nice. She's not vibing to it, and I think they're gonna move. So she'd rather, like, run away than move. But she wants someone to run away with. And at first, um, certain events happen, like a race happens, and the main character's friend wins, like, the little swimming race they have. And Homegirl invites him out on a date to see the fireworks. Which is just kind of like a cover-up for then asking him, hey, let's run away together. So, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> and then homeboy, like, main character's best friend is a piece of shit. I do not like him. There's nothing redeemable about his character throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> and he is like, he has a crush on her. He has a huge crush, so he does want to go. But then for some reason, his friend is really This character is really weird. He's very, like flip-floppy like he puts on a front to hide his real feelings or like ideas and so for example after that scene where she asks him out to see the fireworks they him and the main character walk back up to class and their classmates are arguing about um what's it called if fireworks from the side is flat or round first of all all your friends are fucking stupid your friends are fucking dumb uh <laughs> if if you think fireworks is flat from the side, you're fucking stupid. You're a smooth brain. Um, because that makes no fucking sense. It's a it's a round explosion. Why would it be flat from the side? Which is what one of these characters is trying to say. He's like a nerdy guy. But you don't have to be a nerd to understand that fireworks is, is fucking round. Now, I understand these kids are young. They're 12 to 13. This is why this shit doesn't start to make sense. And I, metaphorically, it's supposed to fit into, like, this theme that's going to happen at the core plot of the storyline. Also, it takes about 30 minutes for the story to really get going into what it's trying to do. So it's just taking way too long to get going. And they're like, all right, tonight when we see the fireworks, we'll watch it from a side view and see if it's flat around. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So main character's best friend is asked, like, what do you think? And he's like, well, of course they're flat. And I'm just like, oh, you kids are so dumb. 
So later that day, main character, best friend, sitting at main character's house playing games. He's supposed to meet old girl at his house at 5 o'clock. It's almost 5 o'clock. He's, and he's acting like, oh, he didn't want to go. He's going to stay with the boys, see the fireworks. And he don't really like her like that. So he stands her up. So later, main character runs into the girl. They're talking. And her mom fucking later sprints around. I'm like really fucking like summarizing this because I'm trying to get to the point as quickly as possible. Um, she like sprints around the corner like Usain Bolt and snatches her up. Now, earlier in the film, the girl like is by the beach and they see her. And she's like out on the rocks looking at the waves. And she finds this little weird ball. And then later the boy finds it in the pool and like has it in his possession. And as the girl's being taken away, the boy's just like, fuck, I, I should try to help her somehow, the main character. And he's like, fuck, if only I had won the race, da-da-da-da-da, then I could hang out with her and maybe stop her from being taken back home from the mom. Keep in mind that he doesn't know why the girl's trying to stay away from her mom. He doesn't know the stupid fucking reason. Like, oh, no, they're getting married, and I don't like it. It's fucking dumb. It's a fucking whack-ass reason. So he yeets the fucking, like, ball, right? <laughs> and it sends them back in time to the point of the pull race. And so I guess you you know where this is going. Uh, he's he's going to try to, like, change things so that he wins the race this time, and then they go on a date. And... Okay, earlier, I forgot to mention too, earlier when him and the best friend are at his house playing games, the best friend's like, nah, dude, fireworks are actually round. Come on, think about it. It's a round explosion. Why would they be flat? And he was like, well, then why did you say they were flat? <laughs> it's just like, nigga, see, you're a piece of shit. Like, he's so weird. I don't know why he does that. But um, it flashes back to that scene. He, he picks her. He wins the race, so she picks him this time. So she was choosing what boy she was going to run away with through a fucking swim contest. And she was, and then throughout the film, it's like insinuated that she wanted him to win. She always wanted him to win. She actually liked him more than the other kid. And I'm just like, that's such bullshit. You just needed a boy to run away with because you didn't want to run, run away alone. So shit happens. I don't want to talk about it. It's not important. This time they get to the train station, right? <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. And she's talking about running away. And they'll go to the city and live this life together. And he's like, well, what are you even going to do? She's like, I'll be a hostess at a bar. And I'm like, bitch, you're going to be a prostitute is what you just said. We all know what she really fucking meant. First of all, ill, she's like 13. If any nigga at wherever she worked at in the city tried to take advantage of that girl, you need to be fucking castrated. Ill, fucking gross. You're going to scar yourself for life, young woman. <laughs> like... Boy, why are you still here? Don't get on this fucking train with her. Luckily, they don't get on the train because that's pulling up. Girl's parent or girl's mom and her new stepdaddy pull up and take her away. And the boy's like, "No, I can't let this happen." And he tries to grab onto the stepdad's arm and he's trying to like try to break his grip away. And then this is uncalled for, but I love it and it's the best scene of the movie because stepdad fucking punches main character in the face. <laughs> It just knocks him over, and I was just like, you did not need to punch this little kid. He's, like, shorter than the girl. I was like... So the ball gets yeeted again later. Okay, so 
this is this is where things get weird this is where like it's not just going back in time it's like a different reality like it's a different what if like a different universe like what if i won the race that's where he gets launched into and we find out that's what's happening because later after that happens he meets up with his friends and his uh the other best friend is like jealous of him he's like oh you ditched us for a girl and i was like fuck that kid um but they get up to see the fireworks and they see it from the side and it's flat so everyone's just like what the fuck and they're like yeah see we told you it was flat and the main character's like this isn't right this can't be right so he yeets the ball again and he goes back and it goes back to around the train part this time he manages to dodge the punch because he knows it's coming and they hop on the train so they get a little further this time they get to the lighthouse a bunch of shit happens they're getting chased out by the the friends the asshole friend and the parents they get to the lighthouse this time and they're seeing the fireworks and the fireworks are different again it's like this weird explosion he's like no this isn't right this isn't the right reality and he yeets the ball again and as they're as it's getting thrown like the best friend like follows them up to the top of the lighthouse where they were and like pushes them off so i'm like did he just fucking try to kill them and they go back again but this time reality's all like super warped and weird and they try to make like this deep scene where she gets in the water and they're talking having some weird fucking conversation and a bunch of shit's happening da 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 if you think I'm, like, fucking up the description of this film by kind of summarizing it, you're, like, 20% right. Because I am kind of fucking it up. But at the same time, this is what fucking happens. <laughs> and, and so, there's this drunk fireworks expert that fires the ball off into the air because the boy left it on the side of the beach where they're at. And it breaks and explodes. And then the girl and the boy are in the water. And this little... Japanese beautiful song is playing in the back and they kiss and it's just like what reality do you think we'll end up in now? Do you think we'll end up together and blah 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 So the screen cuts to black after this light show and It's like the next day and school is in and uh, kids are being called in roll calls happening But they're not there like the main character and the girl They're not there for roll call and the movie just ends so I was conf I was like nigga what? So my friend, my friend Kevin, who's already seen the movie, is like, from what he can take in from that movie, is that them going reality to reality after every time he threw the ball wasn't actually what was happening. They were like pondering what ifs. Like, what if we did this? What would happen? Would we be able to get away if we did this? Or would we be it? And so they run away together. Now, I have several issues with this ending. First of all, this resolves no conflict because they should not run away. The reason why they shouldn't run away is, first of all, they're both drastically underaged. So them thinking that life is hard, or at least this girl thinking that life is hard to the point where she needs to run away, is fucking stupid. Young, they're the antagonists of the movie. They're the villains. <laughs> they're the bad guys. The mom, this poor fucking mom, just wanting happiness with this new man and her daughter in her life, is being terrorized with his little girl trying to run away from home. Fuck this little girl, bro. <laughs> and and it's, it's like, what? And plus, like, the main character has no fucking stake in this. Like, why are you running away with this girl? You don't even know why she's running. But you ran away with her? 
<laughs> and sorry, I need to drink for this. So what have her, what's gonna happen with his parents? Are they just like, what the fuck? Our kid just ran away. And the best friend is still probably garbage because nothing gets resolved with him. They just this is in the background. It's just like nothing gets resolved. They just run away. <laughs> but they shouldn't run away. The moral of the story should have been no matter what you do, no matter what ha what should have happened was, first of all, they should have been drastically older. These characters should have been like 16, 17 years old. It would have felt a little more realistic with that age change because it would have been like, okay, well, they're near graduating. They're near adulthood, like if they were like 17. So maybe she doesn't necessarily want to leave with her family and maybe she wants to run away for a new life. There also should have been more conflict and more of a reason for her to want to run away besides the fact that her mom was getting married to this new guy and I think they were going to move out of the small town or something like that. I don't fucking know. But there should have been more of, like, a conflict. Like, there should have been real issues at her house that wanted her to cause her to leave. I know there was, like, something with her actual dad, too. I just feel like it wasn't a good enough excuse to validate her wanting to run away. I, I fucking did not enjoy it. And it would give more per. The boy should have had more purpose. His whole entire purpose was this girl and her stupid plan. So the boy's purpose was to be a fucking super simp, essentially, throughout the entire film. It, it the 14-year-old's running, like, so yeah, first of all, they should have been drastically older. This would have made it so that one of two things could happen. If they were older, uh, and let's say there was a better script with these, these little time jump alternate realities, either one, it should have been no matter what you do, running away isn't the solution. She has to face this problem. And then he should make help her make that decision to stay home and just have to face the problem head on, whatever the problem is. Now, two, if there was an actual conflict that warranted her running away, like if she was in some real danger or trouble, then the time jumping thing should have still been a possibility. But instead, it's still, let's say, running away isn't the answer. No matter what they do, they'll always get caught. And they have to confront it. So they actually confront the issue and shit happens and shit gets solved. It should have been one or the other. Either she's overreacting and she needs to just deal with it. Or she's not overreacting but they still need to deal with it. Running away should have not been a fucking option. That's what the time jumping universe's reality reality should have represented. That no matter what you do, it's not going to work because this isn't the move. Like you shouldn't do this. And I feel like that would have been a better execution than them actually fucking run. It, it's bad, bro. It's on Netflix. If you really want to put yourself through it, it's an hour and a half, and it's not good. Um, but yeah, that's what I've watched. Uh, we'll probably watch another film tonight. I don't know for sure. Um, last thing we're going to do is our UU retrospective. This one, I think, is going to be really short. Because not a lot goes on in this episode. It's purely a transitional episode like stuff happens don't get me wrong but it's nothing of super major importance like the biggest thing that happens in this is the fact that the dark tournament gets announced it's uh finally gonna go down you know what i mean oh give me a second ah wait phone stop 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 <laughs> 
I was just trying to read the episode that was coming up next. Okay. Or the episode, what the episode was called. I was right. Okay, so episode 26 of Yu Yu Hakusho is Tagoro Returns. So this is going to be real quick. This is literally setting up the Dark Tournament. So in this episode, we see that Kalema and George are super... Kalema, George, and Botan are super hyped about the fact that Yusuke and Kuwabara managed to beat the Tagoro brothers. Kalema does like this planet cool, like... Oh, I expected them to win. Why do you think I would put them on the case? Of course, Yusuke was gonna win. And George is like, "What should I do about the your your suit and the eulogy for Yusuke's funeral since it's not happening now?" So you had that whole joke, and then they're just you know talking it out. Ogre, one of these random ogres comes in with a tape, and they're like, "We have some extra footage of the case after Tagoro was defeated and after everyone left." And in the footage, Tagoro has Kuwabara's spirit sword still in his stomach. He fucking flexes his abs and it pops out of his stomach, like poop. The energy dissipates. He gets up. Elder Tagoro forms back into his normal self and he gets up and then they're just alive. So Kalema's just like, what the fuck, bro? They should, they should be dead. What? What's going on? What's going on? So they keep watching the tape and Sakio pops up on one of the video screens. And Sakio and Tagoro, younger Tagoro, our main Tagoro brother, are talking, and they're just like, Yeah, I mean, wow, good job. You really threw that fight pretty well. And he's like, We have excellent hearing. When we heard of the boys' plan, we just went along with it. They were, like I said, they were waiting for a moment where it looked good enough for them to throw the match. And that plan that Kuwabara made looked good enough for them to throw the match. So that's what they did. And Sakio's just like, or Tagoro's just like, sorry we couldn't keep the girl for you, maybe you'll want the stones. He's like, I don't really care if she lives or dies, I don't care about that girl. We got bigger plans, bro. And Sakio's just like, well, what did you think of the boys? And Tagoro says that he liked Yusuke Yurameshi and he showed a lot of promise. And he wants another opportunity to fight those boys again at their best. Like, I, he wants to fight them for real. And he wants to invite them to the Dark Tournament. And Sakio references the Dark Tournament by calling it the Dark Martial Arts Competition. So they're talking about that vaguely. And meanwhile, Tarukane is up in the little monitor room, monitoring the arena. But he's he's all by himself. He's like laughing hysterically because he's financially ruined. He's been totally defeated. So he's, his mind is broken. And so Tagoro jumps up and fucking kicks his head off of his body. And it's kind of like one of those 3D movie scenes where it goes rolling towards the screen and the video just ends. So now everyone's worried because they're like, oh shit, he's still alive. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in uh, the city, Yusuke and Keiko are on a date and Keiko's like, you better not be trying to run out on me, nigga, because this will be the second date in a row you've ran out on me. So she's getting new clothes. Yusuke's waiting for her. He's... The fucking store clerk is staring at him with a smile, and he's like, look, this lady thinks I'm stealing. And I'm like, Yusuke, I feel you. Every store I enter, they think I'm about to rob them. <laughs> uh, so, I personally related to that on such a deep level. <laughs> so Keiko's talking about getting food, going to the park. So they leave, and then they see a commotion going on around the corner. And they're like, yo, what the fuck is that? And some rubble falls, and Yusuke thinks it's suspicious, so he get, goes to get a closer look. Kuwabara also happens to be walking by, and it's like this 
the side of building is completely fucking wrecked. And Yusuke's like, who would do that? And then he notices something off and he turns and there's like a big nigga on a motorcycle with a helmet on looking at him. Guess who? Guess who? I know y'all already know. He took the helmet off. It's Tagoro. It's younger Tagoro. Because his fucking big ass jacket, giant muscles, and the fact that he's alive already didn't give it away. I actually think the Koema scene that revealed he was alive happened first. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. He's he's alive either way. <laughs> uh, and he's like, look, we gonna talk in private. So he manages to get away from Keiko. Kuobarta does notice the two of them though, and he's like, yo, what the fuck is going on? So the girl brings him to like this construction site. And they're standing on like the middle level of it. And it, Yusuke thinks they're about to throw down one on one. And Yusuke's trying to talk tough, trying to do his, you know, regular stick, talk his shit before the fight. And the girl's like, look, bro, you don't have to put on a front for me. You don't have to lie to kick it, my nigga. I know you're scared. I can see you shaking. And he is. He's fucking shaking. Yusuke is scared shitless. Tagoro's barely flexing his power. And he's, like, able to slap and put, like, a, like a scrape or a tear in Yusuke's school shirt. And Tagoro's talking. And he's like, look, when... Me and my brother fought you and your little friend. I was only using about 20% of my power, Yusuke. So, uh, this is where the Tagoro meme <laughs> comes into play where every time he's like, I'll use this percent of my power, Yusuke. And you see, like, fucking Larry the Lobster from Spongebob flexing. This is... Tagoro doing this shit in the show is where that meme comes from. So Tagoro flexes out and he hulks up and beefs the fuck up. And he's like, this is 60%. And you know how I was saying in the Yukina Rescue arc, it was just like almost, it was like three to four episodes of Yusuke and Kuwabara like pure flexing through it until they encountered the Tagoro brothers and managed to scrape a lucky win. Um, Tagoro does more flexing in this one scene than Yusuke and Kuwabara did in those four episodes. He goes 60% and he just starts breaking shit. He just starts at an incredible speed too. Like Yusuke can barely keep up with Tagoro running back and forth around this little level of construction like this this constructed building they're on. It's not fully constructed. It's still like metal and like concrete pillars and shit and Tagoro's just shattering them with his pure strength alone. And, like, a tile's about to fall on Yusuke and Tagoro, like, sh breaks it into dust by, like, flexing his power into a shockwave. And he's just sprinting back and forth, breaking pillar after pillar all around him. And Yusuke can't do anything to stop him. Like, not only is he not fast or strong enough to keep up, he's completely terrified of Tagoro. This display of power wasn't just to, like, show off. It was to show the difference between Yusuke now and Tagoro not even fucking full power. It's like, at this point, Tagoro doesn't even have to try to kill Yusuke. He could just fucking... He could kill Yusuke anytime he feels like. Yu Yu Hakusho could have ended right here. Tagoro could have killed everyone and that would have been it. They, I mean, they would have called the Spirit Defense Force, probably thinking about it in story lore. But Yusuke and them would have already been dead. This... <laughs> I doubt Yusuke was strong enough to awaken the Mazuku blood in him at that point, so he's not coming back to life. Hiei doesn't know the Dragon of the Darkness flame technique yet. Kurama can't go Yoko. Kuwabara's getting straight fucking crushed. 
Um, Genkai stands no fucking chance. I know people think that with her spirit wave orb, she probably could have beaten Tagoro. And another aside, but let me let me just point out the fact that people think that Genkai at her peak could beat Demon Tagoro. Like, I guess you could... Because to, Tagoro, as he is now, is like just as strong as he is in the Dark Tournament. I believe he gets a little stronger... They say he gets a little stronger in the manga while fighting Yusuke. He goes beyond his limits before he dies fighting Yusuke. Like, he goes past 100%. But let's just, you know, Tagora as a demon. People believe that Genkai in her prime, like young prime Genkai, like back in the day Genkai, could beat Demon Tagoro. And I just want to call bullshit on that. And the main reason I want to call bullshit on that is because the main reason Tagoro became a demon was to gain more power after what happened, the traumatic event that happened to him. He didn't want to ever feel weak or helpless again. So he wanted to become a demon. So it stands to say that demon Tagoro is stronger than human Tagoro. Tagoro and Genkai back in the day when they were young in their prime were about equal in strength. They were, they were like rivals and friends and lovers all at the same time. And they were powerful, like nobody could fuck with them. And Tagoro became a demon and got stronger than that. So why would Genkai in her prime be able to beat Demon Tagoro when logically Demon Tagoro is stronger than to human Tagoro at his prime before that? And if they were around equal strength, then it makes no sense that, that Gen prime Genkai could beat him. I just want to bring that up, because people really think Prime Genkai could beat Tagoro. No, she fucking couldn't. Prime Genkai, at best, is low B. People will probably be like, maybe she was mid B. She had to be low B. There's no fucking way Tagoro would accept a power increase that only brought him up from mid B to high B. He had to be at least, like, he was probably around high C to low B class levels back when he was a human. It has to be a big jump for it to be really, like, an intense power growth. Because Tagoro is shown as being this monstrosity of strength throughout the series. So him becoming a demon had to greatly increase his powers. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. So, like I was saying, him destroying that... Because he not only destroys the floor they're on, he destroys the whole building. Like, that whole building crumbles down into ruin. And... That was all just to show how helpless Yusuke was against it. Because Yusuke comes up out of the rubble coffin, and out from the smoke and dust, he can see Tagoro's silhouette. And before Yusuke can even try anything, Tagoro is already behind him. So not only is Tagoro huge and powerful, he's fast as fuck. Tagoro is a threat, unlike anything they've ever encountered thus far. Like, everything in Season 1 they've encountered is nothing compared to Tagoro, and they wanted you to know that, which is why I think people have such a hard time accepting the fact that Sensui is stronger than Tagoro, but you also have to understand Sensui was spirit detective before Yusuke, he already was naturally gifted in the supernatural and had a strong sense of right and wrong, and then he went fucking crazy. He also has the power of sacred energy, which is like godly, bro. So it makes sense to say that Sensui was a stronger caliber than Tagoro was. It just makes sense lore-wise. But as I was saying, uh, 
Tagoro just at this point in the series, Tagoro is unlike anything they've ever seen. Even throughout the dark tournament, like no one's fucking matching Tagoro in strength, in power, speed, endurance, anything. Like all the fights in the dark tournament are great, but nothing compares to what Tagoro actually is. And it's fucking terrifying. It's honestly terrifying. It's the scariest shit you'll ever fucking experience all throughout season two of Yu Yu Show. Like, he's just this overwhelmingly powerful force that holds Yusuke and his friends' lives in his hands. Hey, um, sorry if my audio's sending off. I've been, I had to stop and kind of fuck with it a little bit. My mic's giving me a little bit of trouble. I don't know what's going on. It, like, the volume suddenly just starts to lower itself regardless of how high it is. Sometimes, even at certain levels, it's just mute. I don't know what's going on with it. It might just be the USB connection. It might be the mic itself. I don't fucking know. I have to figure it out. Um, hopefully it doesn't fuck up again. Hopefully we can get through it. Hopefully things still sound good. I'll figure it out when we figure it out. But anywho, like I was saying, Tagoro is just meant to be this power figure. And in comparison with Sensui, it's supposed to be different things. Whereas Chapter Black is more of an ideology battle. So Sensui is more of a threat, not only in terms of just like strength, when it comes to his sacred energy but intellectually like he he's better at playing mind games his ideology in terms of like his conviction towards it i feel might be stronger in a sense just because he's older and he's had those thoughts longer because he's older than yusuke he's a more experienced spirit detective than yusuke so there's a lot of different things going on and factors playing with that not to downplay tagoro's tagoro's uh, overpowering strength is much more to the point. Whereas Sensory was more of an ideology thing, Tagoro is more of like just a, I don't even want to say physical, it's more than just that, just more straightforward to the point. Not only is Tagoro just like up until that point throughout season one, even demons that seem to be stronger than Yusuke are just in general more experienced. Yusuke was always able to find a way out, whether it be through luck, through his cleverness, through certain aspects throughout like a fight he was always able to claim a victory somehow with this there is no clever way around Tagoro there is no clever way to beat Tagoro the only way you're beating Tagoro is by physically overpowering him and not only is Tagoro just physically stronger than Yusuke in terms of all stats he is at the same time a much more experienced and skilled fighter than Yusuke you have to remember, people think Tagoro doesn't have like any kind of like fighting style. He's just a big dude that's strong. Tagoro was a martial artist before this. Before he went demon, he was a martial artist. He has martial arts training and understanding. He may not seem to be doing a martial arts style nowadays, just because of his raw demon power, but that doesn't mean he doesn't understand how to fight and be a tactician when it comes to battle. He was a master. He was on Genkai's level at her peak, as I was talking about before. So he knows how to fight, just as how Yusuke does, even though he's a street fighter. He has training in martial arts. He just incorporates those aspects into his street fighting style, which is what I appreciate about Yu Yu Hakusho when you see fights progress, like especially with certain characters. You see certain aspects of like training reflect upon their fighting styles. Like, even with Kuwabara, he's able to do new abilities with his spirit sword, like stretched around like a whip, do double spirit sword, shit like that. And with Yusuke, you can see more martial arts influence being placed in his fighting style as the series progresses. But at the same time, 
no matter what, at its core, Yusuke is like a street fighter. But he has so many like influences from other training he's taken, it mixes in with his fighting style and makes him a better fighter overall as the series progresses. And that's how Tagoro is. Tagoro has martial arts training. So Tagoro has the experience and the skill to back up his just overwhelming power. So he's a very upfront, in-your-face wall or obstacle for Yusuke to face. But they do it in a way where it's simple, but not just like this basic, me, big, strong man. Like, you know how Jiren was just this character that was really fucking strong, Jiren from Dragon Ball Super? Tagoro not only is really fucking strong, but he's really fucking interesting. I don't hate Jiren as a character, but he's very basic and flat as a character. Which is fine, because we didn't need too much complexity in characters in the Tournament of Power in Dragon Ball Super. But, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, Tagoro is much more complex than that, while at the same time being simple. He's deeper because he's more simplistic. Which is what I like to talk about when people want to write like deeper stories or deeper meanings. It's better to be some simplistic than be to be too complex, because then you come off sounding fake woke or fake deep. When something is just very straightforward, people can take away a lot more from it because they have a better understanding of it. Tagora as a character is such a popular character because people can take a lot away from his personality. And he's very straightforward in terms of his character, but that's a good thing. It doesn't hurt his character at all. It makes it better overall. So just pointing that out about him. So uh, at this point, Yusuke is completely defeated and Tagoro invites him and Kuwabara, well not invites, tells them they're fucking going to the dark tournament. In two months, there'll be a dark tournament competition where the fiercest demons fight to the death for glory. Uh, Yusuke and Kuwabara have to come and they have too much to train. He is like, if you don't come, or if you lose, I will kill you and everyone you love. So they have no choice but to go. It's like, the only option they have is to enter and win. Failure is not an option and they can't back out. Failure means death. Backing out means death. You can only win. So, he's, so Tagoro leaves, he's like, see you in two months. And when Tagoro just dips like that, just casually, Yusuke falls to his knees, and he's fucking helpless, he's shaking, he feels cowardly. He's so broken down, and it's a good moment because Yusuke's been in these helpless struggles before, but not like this, not like, Yusuke gets to those moments where he's just like, fuck, this is hopeless, but then finds that will to push on, and at the very least, a fight happens before he even gets to that point. He did nothing, and was just brought to his knees helpless and it's not like he could even do anything to begin with Yusuke is just like fuck you idiot he's gonna fucking kill you and meanwhile Kuwabara was watching from a distance he had fallen and saw it and now he's shitless he's scared shitless shaking because he's like dude what the fuck is going on we killed him and he and Karama were nearby too they were watching what's going on and they got an invitation to the dark tournament a mandatory invite so they all have to go, but they also need a fifth member, and they got two months to find one. So he and Karama are also unnerved, very scared of what's about to happen. They're just better at not showing their 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 fear. They're just like, okay, here we fucking go. So then we get a training montage, and uh, Yusuke goes back to Genkai's place to train, and she's like, oh, it's about time you got back. Did you get a little better? And, you know, he's like, it's different this time. I'm different. 
I'll do whatever you say, please. We need to. Tr I need training. So we get like these little clips of Genka and Yusuke like running upward up this mountain, and Yusuke has weights on his legs, and then he almost falls. Genkai jumps down, fucking stops herself mid jump, and just delivers a flourish of punches into Yusuke's stomach, just grrr, like machine gun blows into Yusuke's gut, and she's like, "Does it hurt, slacker?" So, so he's struggling doing that. Meanwhile, Kuwabara is training with Hiei and Kurama because they need to toughen him up. And they both know he needs to toughen up. Kuwabara showed promise and actually some level of skill, intellect, and helpfulness during the St. Beast arc. Hiei can't deny that and Kurama encourages it. Hiei can't deny the fact that Kuwabara contributed last arc. But he also knows that Kuwabara is not ready for what is ahead at the Dark Tournament. And not only, he needs to be ready physically and mentally for that. So while Hiei is training with him directly, kind of just beating him down and getting his body like toughened up for it, Kurama's more getting him ready mentally for the fucking cruelty that goes down in these tournaments and the cruelty that he could possibly experience. He's like, Hiei is going easy on you because his honor code and your weakness make him not want to go all out. I, Kurama's like, I won't go easy on you. I don't have those sort of rules that I follow. So we don't actually see Kuwabara's full training, but we know he got beaten down to be built back up to be tougher. And we see that. People hate on Kuwabara, and yeah, Kuwabara does have some embarrassing moments throughout the Dark Tournament, mainly in the semifinals. But when Kuwabara pulls through, he fucking pulls through, which is something that you have to respect. This isn't me even talking as a Kuwabara fan. This is me just talking to, about Kuwabara in general. You have to put respect on Kuwabara's name for his contributions during the Dark Tournament, both in battle and off the battlefield. Like, when they fought the Dr. Ichigami, bleh, Ichigami team, and he got the premonition of what actually was happening to them. He could see it in dreams, what actually happened to them. Uh, his fight with Rinku, when Rinku was actually fucking like, dude, he still wants to fight me, even though he got wrung out. Uh, him saving the team from an L during the fight with Team, what are they called? Uh, team Masha? Like the ninja team where he beats uh, the Earth guy. I think his name is Risha or something like that. I don't remember. He fucking slaps him at the tournament arena. His fantastic match in the finals. Everyone had a fantastic match in the finals. Don't get me wrong. Team Yurameshi did the goddamn thing in the finals. But Spirit Fly Slaughter is a legendary technique. Um... <laughs> So yeah, like, Kuwabara goes through a gr And this is what I'm saying. This is the start of everyone having, like, one goal. Like, a unified goal. The unified goal is to beat Team Tagoro, win the Dark Tournament, and survive. But everyone also has their own branching kind of, like, side character developments. Where Yusuke's uh, training ties it. Yusuke's uh, path character arc ties in with Genkai and Tagoro's past. Him being a Genkai's only student and Taguro's like up and coming rival. And them sharing this past, Yusuke is the one that's going to put the feud to rest for good. Kuabara goes through the struggle of trying to prove himself constantly throughout the tournament and show that he can contribute to the team and show that people think nothing out of him, and that's when he's at his best, when you least expect it. He is struggling to master this new technique, the Dragon of the Darkness Flame, and we see his arm injured throughout the tournament, only to bring it home in the end 
Kurama struggles with the weakness of his human body and getting that taste of his true form, his Yoko Kurama form once again. And then, of course, Genkai with her past tied with Tagoro. So we have a lot of factors going on here, but it all ties into the same goal, beating Team Tagoro, winning the Dark Tournament. So I, I love... I love that theme that is in the Dark Tournament and the fact that we're about to get to that part. It's it's what makes the Dark Tournament a classic and it's what makes the Dark Tournament the most popular arc in all of Yu Hakusho and one of the most popular tournament arcs in all of Shonen. And like I said, Chapter Black is my favorite arc. That does not mean I hate the Dark Tournament. The Dark Tournament is fan-fucking-tastic. And this is just the setup. This is just a transition episode. So to bring it all up to a close, two months pass. We got that montage. Kuwabara, Hiei, and Kurama are waiting for the boat to arrive to take them to the Dark Tournament, along with all the other demons who entered teams to go in. And the demons are all talking. It's like, we're going to win this year. Go home if you don't want to die. And then they smell the humans and they see Kuwabara. And they're still waiting for Yusuke to show up. And as they're waiting, they're wondering who the fifth fighter's gonna be because Yusuke is supposedly bringing someone. And then the, the captain of the ship shows up and he's like, all right, it's time to go. And Kuwabara's like, wait, 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 we're still waiting for our guy. And then he's like, well, we're gonna place a bounty on his head and we're gonna kill him, standard rules of the tournament. And that's when Yusuke shows up. Yusuke pops out of the woods, looking a little tired, a little worn out, a little exhausted, but he's there along with a mysterious short masked fighter. Now, if you watched Yu or read Yu Yu Hakusho, and if you haven't watched or read Yu Yu Hakusho, what are you listening to my retrospectives for? Go ahead and start following along. Um, we all know the masked fighter is Genkai. It's very fucking obvious it's Genkai. But uh, Kuwabara and Yusuke honestly did not know it was Genkai. Yusuke doesn't find out until Genkai shows him it's her. And Kuwabara doesn't find out until, like, the fucking finals of the tournament. <laughs> or near the finals, we find out, oh, that was Genkai. You know what I mean? So it's just like, bruh, you two are fucking imbeciles. Because I'm pretty sure he and Karama are 100% positive that was Genkai. But, um... So it gets... It, anywho, we, we get to that point, Yusuke shows up, he's like, woo. That forest walk was a little little daunting. First clue that Yusuke is a little exhausted from his two months of constant training and he's gonna need a nice long rest. But we haven't quite gotten there yet. Hiei approaches uh, Yusuke and pulls out a sword and starts attacking him. Rapid slashes. Yusuke immediately responds by dodging, leading to like the confusion of all the demons watching. They're just like, what the fuck? These guys are already fighting their own teammates. And Kuwabara's like, bro, they're moving so fast, I can barely keep up. And finally, Yusuke stops Hiei's sword with his fingers, and he's like, damn, he's, damn, Hiei, is that how you say hello? And Hiei was just testing him, see how strong he's gotten, and he's impressed. So Kuwabara's like, bro, what the fuck? Because <laughs> Hiei's like, oh, he improved a little bit. And Kuwabara's like, whoa, I say he improved a lot of bit. And then Karama, you know, reassures him, like, hey, bro, the fact that you were able to even follow their movements shows that you've improved as well. Don't be so hard on yourself. So they're all about to, to head out to the tournament. Kuwabara's a little wary of the masked fighter, but we'll see more of that in a little uh, next episode. And the team heads out 
to sail for the Dark Tournament, and they hop on the ship, and that's where the episode ends. So next week, we will uh, be getting to episode 27, where they're on their way to the tournament to Hanging Neck Island, and a little exhibition match is going to happen, but we'll talk about that more next week. Uh, in episode 53 of the podcast, fucking crazy, we're almost done with season 2 of the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. We have 53, and then our season finale the week after that. Um, I plan to take a break before season 3 of the podcast starts. How long is the break going to be? I it, Last time it was a week. Just for me to get set up. I think I'm going to do a little longer. I might do two or three weeks before we start season three. It all depends. I'll see where it goes. But I might take a couple more weeks to just get set up in terms of like getting the walk-in a little more set up. Getting uh, the structure of the podcast reformed a little bit better. Because like I said, we're going to do the Yu Yu Show videos. Our retrospectives as YouTube videos separately from the podcast itself. To give other segments more time. We pretty much did the whole retrospective for season one on the podcast. We have two more episodes left of season one of Yu Yu Show, and then season two of the podcast ends, so that'd be a good stopping point for it in terms of that. But yeah, I'll take a couple of weeks off to do that, get set up. That way, when we come back for season three, we come back fully prepared and fully ready for something new and something different. It's also about to be 11 o'clock. I didn't realize it was so late. Oof, my goodness. But yeah, you know, a little longer than last week's episode, but... Like I said, these are probably going to be shorter, more shorter episodes just until we get all set up. Sorry for any background noise, any audio issues. Like I said, I'm still working on things. We'll figure them out. But you guys, thank you for 52 episodes now. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for supporting me. And I hope you continue to support me. What are we talking about next week? I don't know, but we'll find out next week. I know for sure we'll be doing episode 27 of the UU Retrospective. So be ready for that. We're almost done with season one, and then you're going to have to follow along on the YouTube channel. Don't worry. I'll have you covered there once we get to that point if you want to listen to more of my retrospectives for Yu Yu Hakusho. But other than that, that's about it, guys. I will catch you next week. I hope you enjoy your Friday. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope your next work week is great, and I will see you next week. I love you guys so much, and I'll catch you later. Bye!